Welcome to the Digital Workplace Podcast. These are conversations with CEOs of digital companies, thought leaders, and solution providers about how you can become a level five digital workplace. For the show notes and transcript of this episode, go to thedigitalworkplace.com. Welcome back to the Digital Workplace Podcast. Today, our guest is Joey K. Meyer. He is the Principal and Managing Director of Sylvain. Hey, Joey, what's going on? Hey, Neil, how are you? I'm doing great. Excited to speak with you. This is a cool topic where you're talking about divergent experiences and designing with different things in mind. But first, let's make sure you are an actual human before we get into this. I don't want to talk to robots. So your question is, what pet did you have or want to have as a kid? I had a lot of pets, including coming home from state fairs with roosters. I had turtles. But the pet that I always wanted like all through college and never got was a sugar glider. I some oh. for some reason got into marsupials and was like looking on forums in old internet and sugar glider forums. <laughs> Aren't those the things that you do? It's like see people walking around with a sugar glider, like go into their pocket and stuff like that. Yeah, exactly. It's like a little marsupial that looks kind of like a flying squirrel and is cool looking and like sweet and small. And I that idea of like having a, a pet in your pocket for some reason was very appealing <laughs> to me when I was. Yeah. 21 years old. Yeah, yeah, no, that's cool. It's got a sweet name too. Sure. Yeah, that's pretty awesome. Exactly. That's really the. It's like a cookie, but it's an animal. Yeah. (laughs) My college roommates kept saying, Why do you want a booger monster? And that just became a thing for about a year. Nice. Well, good. You you pass. You sound like a real human. That's cool. So let's get into this. You delivered a talk. You talked about a lot of divergent experiences that we need to map for in the workplace. But let's just start from the beginning. If we look at the workplace as a whole, it's pretty much been built for one cognitive type. So why don't you go into that and explain the background? Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, we as a company have always really valued diversity. And I think we talked about it in a lot of different ways. And I think the the ways that we're sort of having broader cultural conversations about right now around demographic and socioeconomic diversity in the workplace are really important. And this doesn't sort of take away from that conversation, but starting to have some more, you know, why I chose to do the talk at the Seattle International Conference event and things like that is because I think we're sort of reevaluating and reappraising the way in which we're designing workspaces right now. And, and people are, you know, at least in my immediate experience in the companies that we work with and, and other leaders of companies that I've been speaking to, they're, they're going through a pretty significant reappraisal of the way they hire people. And cognitive diversity, I think, is as important to producing high-quality work on your teams as any other type of diversity. And you know, I'm, I have ADHD, like, you know, uh, something I've dealt with my whole life. And some, and that maybe is also a factor in some ways, maybe self-serving, but, um, where, you know, traditional workplaces aren't oriented towards neuro or cognitive diversity. And I think this is something that starts as early as schools, right? There's a lot of literature around how, there's actually a lot of literature around how schools are failing young boys because of the amount of energy that they have and because there's not a lot of diversity in the teaching staff and things are structured around sitting still all day, being quiet, low inside voices, 
Um, you know, there's great things around kinetic learning and things like that. And so for us, the question is like, how do you, how do you build an environment in which you allow people to show up and start to do the work, particularly creative, collaborative knowledge work in ways that sort of are conducive to how they would naturally process the world? And then, like you said, this is, I think, part of building an equitable mindset is recognizing that we used to have norms that we didn't even speak of. That was just kind of assumed, like, this is what's normal. If you're straight, if you're white, if you're male, if you mm-hmm. think in a certain way, like all these things. And, and to really start to, once you pull one out, you start to realize how many of the other ones are, are also mm-hmm. infected. We talk about intersectionality a lot. Obviously, some issues like race, you know, have a, a deep history and a deep hurt that's there mm-hmm. that, that have gone on. Uh, but th- this one even especially is something that, that also has hurt and people have felt marginalized by this. Um, so I'm glad we're bringing it up and talking about it. So we'll, how would you describe like how the workplace was built for? Like who is the, the majority culture in this situation? Yeah, I mean, I think the way that you... There's, there's probably two ways to think about it. I think... One is the first, at least in sort of like the professional services type of world, right? Consultants, lawyers, um, accountants, like that type of environment is largely probably oriented towards people who were successful in the traditional educational environment, right? Mm -hmm. People who could perform well in that sort of um, quiet, highly structured classroom environment would perform better, go to better schools, and then be able to sort of gain access to better jobs. The secondary, more nuanced way that I would think about it is it's often oriented towards whoever is the leader of those companies, right? Whoever Mm -hmm. whoever is in charge, whether it's a, a team or department lead, or, you know, when you're talking about more entrepreneurial ventures, it's, you know, designed to sort of work around a founder, right? They, they created the company, they created the culture and the environment. And so they're going to naturally structure things in ways that sort of are most conducive to them. That makes a lot of sense. Just me personally, like in going through school, like I found that school was easy. Like I figured that out. I figured out the process thing. I did great in quiet environments, but I didn't like take the opportunities that were necessarily there growing out of that. I went to a foreign country I was in kind of entrepreneurial mindset and I was not prepared for that at all. So I felt that that dissonance between like how how I was encouraged to be all through school and, and into college. And then all of a sudden, no, this doesn't work anymore. Like everything that I thought was going to work here uh, didn't work. Yeah. So yeah, that, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. And I think you're you're seeing some... There have been moments where we've had some sort of like flashes of awakening around cognitive diversity. I think the book quiet that had come out around introverts versus extroverts like one i think our conversations about that have become a lot more sophisticated right sure. it went from yeah. sort of this like pop psi type of thing to sort of moving towards like where are you generating energy where are you recharging the fact that there are sort of yes it, it, people on extremes on both sides but there are people in the middle and i think that was like an interesting moment where people who are introverts felt like the workplace in one example was designed largely for extroverts, right? Like, were you loud in a meeting? Were you getting recognition? You know, could you 
sit in an open floor plan workspace and be able to thrive. Like that is one sort of example that it popped up. And I don't know that much changed about it. And what's interesting is like all of a sudden when we moved into this distributed working environment where everyone is in different places, working from home, don't have to go into the office, all of a sudden you started seeing these conversations pop up where extra extroverts were struggling all of a sudden, mm-hmm. maybe for the first time, at least within this context in the working environment, and introverts were thriving. And so it's all of a sudden, yeah. I think like even that as an example, you know, as a product of the pandemic and distributed work, you saw one sort of particular orientation on cognitive diversity all of a sudden have this moment where everyone was like, oh, like I was doing really well before and I'm doing poorly now and I'm seeing other people that are having the opposite interaction. And even as we're starting to come out of, you know, it or move into the next phase of the pandemic, I guess is maybe a more appropriate way to, to think about it and thinking about going back to the office, people are starting to design with, a sort of a more flexible mindset on what that means, right? Giving introverts yeah. the opportunity to work from home two or three days a week and go into the office on, you know, at their choosing. A lot of companies are saying like, if you want to come to the office every day, great, but we're going to make it only mandatory X days of the week or, or whatever. And I think like that flexible orientation and the way that we're thinking about this one thing of like, are you feeling like you're able to be productive in this working environment and giving people those options to be able to sort of fit their own cognitive styles more effectively. Because ultimately, like in all of these cases, we're trying to produce whatever it is, you know, tax reports, you know, legal documents, you know, creative briefs, uh, you know, new positioning, product development, whatever. And if you're more productive in a way that doesn't necessarily fit everyone else at your company, but you're given the flexibility, like everyone in that case sort of wins, right? So what are some, we talked about introversion, extroversion, you mentioned uh, ADHD, like what are some of the other things that leaders need to be aware of? Because I think some people maybe even don't know where to start in this discussion about how to create a workplace that is inclusive for other types of thinking. Yeah, I mean, I think one of the places to start is you know, opening up a conversation around reflection on these things, because candidly, like, you know, I knew I had ADHD, right? Like clinically diagnosed as an adult to like re-diagnosed. And so I knew that there was sort of this breadth of knowledge and literature that I could go to, to begin to understand some aspects of the way that I process things and seeing myself in it and, and things like that. But there are other aspects of the way that we process the world that require self-reflection, right? Like no one's going to be able to tell you about these things. You sort of have to begin to discover them for yourself. And so opening up that conversation within your team and within your company in a way where other people feel like they can begin to explore that and have a discussion, I think is important. One way we did that internally, I'd been sort of wanting for our company to, to do um, user manuals in the past of just, mm. you know, initially, candidly, my thinking about it was more in sort of like a, a Tuckman's ways of working, right? Like that, like 
yeah. we we work in teams that sort of change based on project to project. And so like, how do you get through the, you know, Tuckman's stages are like uh, teams form, storm, norm and perform. And there's like a bunch of literature about it, but like, how do you get new teams through those stages by understanding each other better? But as we came into the pandemic, when we actually instituted it as a company, like fill these things out, we'll share them with teams. When you start projects, it was about like, we're in an entirely new environment, figuring it out together. We're not, you know, in sort of like ideal or normal settings. And we need to figure out how we want to work in this environment to be productive and like feel well and, and, you know, deal with kids or other things. But that exercise like all of a sudden started to unlock like, oh, you have a different communication style than I do. You, you know, me personally, like I really uh, rely on drawing uh, frameworks and abstract concepts and things like that on whiteboards. And I I was completely oblivious to the the fact that this was like a very heavy tool in my tool set that I'd been using extremely Mm. frequently until all of a sudden it got pulled out. The team going through these things and understanding how e- each other worked actually made them more uh, receptive and flexible to creating the space for people. Like the teams that work with me now are like, do we need to use a Jamboard right now so you can sort of get this thing out that you're sort of talking about? Mm-hmm. And like all of a sudden, they're actually helping me work better by being like, let's move over to Jamboard. You have your tablet. Like, uh, you know, in some ways, I'm like getting my handheld, which is, is kind of funny, but they're almost always right. And they're they're doing those things with each other as well. Like what environments are you or, or sort of what contexts or dynamics are do you feel like you're at your best? What contexts or mm-hmm. dynamics do you feel like you, you struggle to perform or, or at your worst? What's something someone might misunderstand about the way that you work or interact? Like in mine, in that section, I'm like, when I'm really thinking, I have a, an intense frowning face. And so like, mm-hmm. put it, I, if, if I look like I'm mad, I'm not. I'm just thinking very hard. In what ways? I mean, we talked about Jamboards. And I think the loss of the whiteboard for some people was like tremendous. It was devastating. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> for this. And obviously, there are some tools out there. Uh, we talked about Jamboard. There's Miro and Mural and, and lots of different options that are out there to varying degrees of success in terms of the, that same replication that, that, that it can feel. Do you feel like the whole switch to digital workplaces is that like tell me a few of the advantages that it gives to people with cognitive diversity and things and what are some things we lost in that process that we have we still have to find a solution for that's not really there yet Yeah I mean I think this is like this is one of those things where you sort of suddenly realize that nothing is the silver bullet you had these people that were sort of pushing on um, distributed work for a long time and like we're right. we're never going to work in an office again and, and especially when we sort of first entered into distributed work in the early days of the pandemic i think you had these people sort of like claiming victory like see we told you all along and people were like okay like after a few months it like normalized a little bit but i think what you're finding now is that uh it's working well for some people and it's not, it's not working for others. And I think some of those things are like, how, how much do you need to work independently versus how reliant are you on others? Right. Are you an internal processor or an external processor? Right. Like I 
I personally am an external processor. Talking through things with other people helps me to to like continue to push thoughts and and it's productive for me and and as a, simultaneously being a leader at the company sometimes i don't need a, a full half hour or a 45 minute meeting with someone in order to get to those things i need five minutes stopping at your desk i say something to you you say something to me it pushes me far enough and i like carry on and we both go our separate ways and so you know I think as a leader to this sort of ability to understand and monitor the health of your your team and your organization has become a lot more difficult in distributed work. And I think that's like a big part of this as well when we're thinking about like sort of designing with cognitive diversity in, in mind is like you need to be able to see when things are working or not working well. And the signals are just not as prevalent when you're, you know, yeah. I, I'd seen someone talk about the workspace as like an extension of a leader's sensory system. And it, that really resonated with me. And so it requires a lot more sort of ongoing and active conversation with your teams to make, see if the conditions that are getting established on different teams are, are working for everybody. Yeah, that's a great point. I mean, it's all about like how do you build back in the signals that you used to get. I mean, even think of like you know what we just take for granted with with our own sensories that we have, and then if you were to build a robot to have all those same senses, like how many different sensors do you need to actually build in order to give that same experience? I mean, it's mind blowing, and to recognize that we are in like super early days of this. Like we have Slack, we have like Zoom, and for most people, that's it. That's all they got. Yeah. So how do you get those signals in and how do you build those in to know how people are doing? It's a great point. Yeah, I think, you know, even in some of those examples, right? Like these tools that we got really excited about sort of through the lens of like faster distributed work, increased communication. I think there's there's like reappraisal there too. And I think it seems at least anecdotally and from sort of tracking conversations online, it feels like people are sort of contending with that. And Cal Newport just wrote a new book where he was talking about this concept of the hyperactive hive mind um, that is being created by um, the amount in which we're communicating. And I think it's, it's a really interesting example of cognitive diversity as well, right? Like him as an individual wants like very deep, isolated, like flow oriented, like six, four to eight hours a day of like undistracted, uninterrupted, deep thinking work, right? Like that's how he performs. Like that's not right for every job and it's not right for every individual. But I think what we're seeing is like the amount of communication that is sort of required when you're not together, that is textual in nature, like, you know, chats and things like that is a product of like, the pipe is just far greater in terms of the amount of data that you're getting by being in the same space as someone else. And so I think people are starting to realize the deficits of the distributed work environment, right? There was a study that came out recently, and I, I can share a link with it on the back of this, but th- about how collective intelligence in rooms is something that's been studied a ton and how groups perform really well, but that it's not, mm-hmm. it's not showing up in 
like group Zoom chats. Yeah, that makes total sense. It feels like we have lost something in that way. It's there. Tell us a little bit more about Sylvain, the type of work that you guys do, and and how are you part of the solution to this? Yeah, I mean, so we are, the way that we talk about ourselves is a strategy and design consultancy. And what we work on for companies is, you know, in three areas of uh, brand strategy and design, innovation strategy and design, and, and sort of organizational and cultural strategy and design. Um, and so like the brand questions are the sort of things that you might expect of how does a company operate within the world? What is their sort of orientation? And I think over the past 11 years, since we started the company, people have become a lot more sophisticated about that, of thinking about a brand as sort of a, a means of building cohesion within an entire organization and, and sort of filtering decision-making across an organization so that that unit is acting in a way that feels collectively coherent. Um, And then, you know, innovation, I think in the same way when we started the company was sort of uh, thought of largely as like consumer product goods. Like, can you come up with a new product to put on the shelf, but has become a lot more sophisticated as well. And thinking about how do you start to build um, pipelines of, new products, services, experiences, whatever it may be that begin to fit and demonstrate what that company's purpose or or mission in the world is and begin to have brand and product work together, you know, almost in the way that, um, you know, like Peter Drucker might have talked about, right? Where Peter Drucker said that there are only two things that a company does, marketing and research and development. Innovation. Yeah. And in some ways, we're sort of in, I, I guess, a more contemporary sense, playing on both sides of those things, right? Yeah. What, what is the opportunity in the market and, and what can you do in that? And the, the one point that I would bring up is that we are a, a certified B Corp, right? And that is like an actual certification where... The B Lab is sort of auditing our books and and the way that we run our company, but at the heart of it, it means that we're putting social impact at the center of our organization and the way that we do things. And so, the way that we talk about our mission is to um, leverage the might of corporations for the greater good. And so, in all of those things that we do, not in a way where we're sort of telling companies that they need to share our values, but we're trying to solve problems with our values in mind and allowing people to sort of show up like on our team with their own values and, you know, solve a a business problem and and deliver on that. But also think about, you know, how are you going to meaningfully improve a consumer user's life and and how are you going to maintain an orientation towards uh, the greater social good and that, you know, yeah, we love B Corps. We've had a few people on the show that have talked about some of their experiences in going through that. It's a great program. If you haven't heard of it or need more exposure to it, contact Joey or other people who have gone through the process because it's just really good to go through. Joey, as we close out, as a leader of a digital team, like what's next for you? Like, What's the next thing that you want to tackle that you feel like, man, we just do not have this figured out yet and you're looking for a solution? What comes to mind? Yeah, I mean, the return is something that we're seriously contending with and and trying to take all this learning and and all the conversations that we've had with other leaders and reading, you know, we, we wrote an off-white paper at the beginning. You can, 
you can find that on our website, but and it has some tools and templates of things we use just in that vein of we were trying to share everything we understood at the time and, and hopes that people would send things to us. But the question now is like, you know, how, how do you build an organization that can thrive and, and allow people to be themselves and, and produce good work while continuing to try and balance this flexibility that in, you know, in some ways we've been more constrained than we've ever been in this distributed work environment and simultaneously been forced to be more flexible than we've ever been. And I think coming back now, it's like, there were some really good things that we just weren't doing or weren't considering before we were forced into distributed work. And how do we take those things that did work that were like, like, can't like, you know, we were doing it wrong before. And also what were the things that were working before that we've lost and that balance of like, not over correcting and going so far into like completely distributed, completely digital. Like the fact of the matter is like, we do what I would consider creative work in this world. You know, we're oriented towards business problems and human problems and things like that, but it is fundamentally like generating new solutions to new problems. And there's something that's lost when you can't be together with someone or, or the, like I said before, the fatness of the pipe <laughs> of like data going between two individuals is is constrained. And so, you know, that's like that's a big challenge yeah. that we're dealing with now. And and you know, we're growing too. So yeah. growing our team and finding new talent that like vibes with all of these ideas that we've been talking about is always a challenge. Yeah, for sure. And we, we talk a lot about the fidelity of the conversation, like yeah. of the communication around dude. How to like when you need to go hi-fi, you go full out. And like how do you bring in that full experience? And what's how far can digital go in that? Yeah, that's a big question. I think a lot of people are, are wrestling with. Uh Joey, it's been awesome. Uh, I've learned a lot through this and I've really enjoyed this conversation. Where can people go to especially sign up for the newsletter you guys put out? I, I just signed up for it and it's really awesome. So where can they go for that? Yeah, it, if you go to get progress. Uh, I think we may have changed it. Oh, it it's. <laughs> we'll go to Sylvain Labs, or Jesus, go to Sylvain. We changed our name, and as part of that, we updated a lot of URLs. And now I'm like, I think it's getprogress.co. Well, we'll know. have it in the show yeah, in notes, there. which you'll you'll we, send me. Yeah, one. we also have a podcast <laughs> called Critical Nonsense you can listen to where we just talk about culture and society and things like that in fun ways. Nice. Cool. Well, thanks so much for being on the show, Joey. We hope this is not the last time we hear from you and we look forward to including you in more conversations. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you, Neil. I really appreciate it. This has been the Digital Workplace Podcast. If you liked it, please take a minute to leave a review wherever you find Go to thedigitalworkplace.com and sign up for our twice-a-month newsletter. It keeps you up to date on the best ways to build a level 5 digital workplace. Music for the show is provided by City of Sound. I'm your host, Neil Miller. Keep moving forward.